Welcome to Dudes on Movies, a podcast where dudes talk about movies. I'm your dude, Scott. I'm your dude, Dave. And today we're discussing 1986's Ferris Bueller's Day Off, directed by John Hughes and starring Matthew Broderick. But before we do that, we got to remind you guys that Dudes on Demand is back in January. Yes. So get your requests in now. Right. Go to any of our socials. Go to dudesonmovies.com slash demand, and there's a form you can fill out. Just... Send us a pigeon with like some a ribbon tied to its leg. That's right. You know, yeah. send a raven. Yeah, a raven would be good. Right. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's up to you guys. All January, five episodes. Uh, let us know what you want to hear. Yes, and we'll probably put up a, a something on social media too, just like giving you a, a space to put in titles too. Like we'll just ask the question, "Hey, what do you want to see?" Yep. And yeah, just answer us there too. Yeah. So uh, now, Dave, let's talk about what we've been watching. What have you been watching? Yes. Um, so I watched a documentary called uh, Chasing, Chasing Amy. Um, the movie was directed by Sav Rogers, uh, who was obsessed with Kevin Smith's 1997 film, Chasing Amy. Um, the project started with Sav just wanting to talk to Kevin and to Joey Lauren Adams about the movie and its legacy. But then it took a turn because during filming, Sav transitioned to become a trans man. Um, ah, and he then has to reconcile this with his female partner who identifies as gay and was used to being in a lesbian relationship. Um, and also during the interview segments with Joey Lauren Adams, it's, it's clear that Joey has wanted to get some stuff off her chest for a long time. Yeah. Um, she talks a lot about Harvey Weinstein and you just sit there kind of stunned at what she's been through and how terrible life could get for an actress working in independent cinema in the 1990s. Um, it's, he talks yeah. about like Rose McGowan's situation and everything and how it was like happening right there, like at the festival while they were being, you know, congratulated, right. you know, 20 feet away. She was being, you know, attacked yeah. by, by this asshole. Um, and Guinevere Turner is also interviewed and she then offers more perspective on what the film meant and how she was friends with Kevin, but she was also professionally jealous of him. Um, just really fascinating stuff. If you're a film nerd, which I know you yeah. are, I know we all are, uh, it's a must see and I highly recommend it. When did this come out? To this year. That's what I thought, because yes. I heard about it, and I've heard it uh, quite good, man. Yes. I've heard only good things about it. I saw it at the 2023 St. Louis Film Festival. Yeah. Um, I the, the night I was there volunteering, that was that was the feature, so that after we were done, I was done scanning tickets, they said, you want to see the movie? I said, yes, I do. Yeah, there you, you know? go. Yeah. Awesome, man. Mm-hmm. I watched a movie uh, from, I guess it was last year. It was Matt Reeves' The Batman with oh Robert yeah, Robert Pattinson, Paul Dano, and um, if you haven't seen it, it's it's in like an intriguing, moody film. It's different than what we've been used to recently with Batman, bombastic battles and stuff <laughs> right. like that. You know, yes, uh, it's you don't get the origin story. It's more of a detective story that goes back to the old detective comics and stuff. You know, mm -hmm. he's he's matched up against the Riddler and he's got to solve the riddles and find out how everything's connected and all that stuff. Yes, um, it. It was good, but it was, I think, overly long and drawn out, and I didn't really care for what, like, happened to the Riddler in the end. Okay. Um, and I, I didn't like the climax of the film really too much. Oh, you didn't? Okay. Not really. I mean, it, it's, it was okay. It was fine, but maybe I'm just, uh, I was expecting more. I don't know. Yeah. But, um... Don't let it stop you. I think it's a good movie, and it has great atmosphere. And Robert Pattinson's actually really good as Bruce Wayne. Um, so, yeah, everyone check check it out if you're into Batman. All right, now, it's time to talk about something awesome, Dave. Yes. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. 
Why don't you give everyone a synopsis? Absolutely. Uh, So this is a very well-known film from John Hughes where a highly resourceful and, it's important to note, privileged teenager plays sick so that he can ditch school. And uh, he goes out with his girlfriend and his best friend. And in the process, he runs afoul of the principal who is determined to prove that he's faking his illness and he's just a (laughs) truant little asshole. Um, He also regularly talks directly to the audience to share his life philosophy with us. And uh, it's, of course, very funny. And it's another VHS classic from way back, so let's talk about it. Oh, yeah, and it's one of those John Hughes 80s Brat Pack-style films, you know? Even though it's not the Brat Pack traditionally in right. it, but it, it's it's at that time, you know? He had such a, uh, a recognizable style. I mean, you always know when you are watching a John Hughes picture. Yeah. You know, I mean, apart from just the, it's always set in the Chicago right. area, <laughs> um, it's, th- there. there's like... Uh, kind of uh, hipster music and clothing and uh, there's a style to it and like I know he tends to use the same troupe of actors too and he he made a lot of people stars but he it's not always about young people too not always but I think he has a knack to tap into like like human nature I know and like how people actually behave and think and even if it's displayed in like maybe a fantastical or exaggerated way yeah there's still truth in every bit of it yes truth is kind of the important part of it because like i think that's why we all return to them so often is because we we found something to connect to and right you know yep and i think he did write this movie with uh anthony michael hall in mind for ferris bueller he did and he went on to do something else i think right uh so then he got broderick involved right and Matthew Broderick had, to this point, not been a big film actor. He had been mostly a stage person, a uh, stage actor. And, um, like, he had, he had starred, I remember hearing that, that he had starred with, uh, in Harvey, Harvey Firestein's uh, Torch Song trilogy, as uh, he played David. Um, Harvey, On stage? Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. And in the, in the, in the play, he plays um, Harvey's character, Arnold's uh, son. Um, and then when they did the film in 1989, uh, he then took the role of Alan, which was uh, Harvey Firestein's uh, lover. So okay. like the, he goes from playing his son to playing his partner in like <laughs> years later up, after dude. he's like That's older. I know up. it's pretty messed up. <laughs> but I bet it was a good performance. <laughs> it and was a good great. role for exactly. him. Exactly. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yes. And I, I don't remember seeing Broderick in much before this either. Like I know he was in War Games, which might have been his biggest. Movie I think that was his this. biggest thing, yeah. Movie-wise, yeah. And he led that movie, actually. Right. Um, but this was his, like, rocket ship to f- fame, yes. this movie. Because he's, like... I mean, you can notice, obviously, right away, okay, here, here's this guy. He's he's really handsome, and he's got, like, a real quality. He looks like a movie star. And um, he's got, like, comic timing that is... Uh, like, we'd seen it in previous John Hughes films, but, like, this is something different. Yeah, it feels like a Michael uh, J. Fox type, uh, that kind of comedy that he brings, right, you know? Right, right. Um, it's real snappy and kind of quick-witted and off-the-cuff almost. Right. It, it feels, like, really grounded. Um, and Broderick just nails this role. He does. In, in every aspect, even when he's he's talking to the camera, he's great. When he's dealing with... When he's dealing with his parents, he's in that, like, baby mode. He's just so disgustingly good. You want to punch this kid in the face? <laughs> Let's talk about it, dude. Okay, yeah. Um, well, the movie opens up with yeah. his parents screaming, like, 
oh no, Ferris is sick. <laughs> and that cuts to Ferris and he's like, looks like a dead fish. <laughs> I both love and am repulsed by yes. how full of shit Ferris is when he's dealing with his parents. Yep. Um, like you brought up the baby talk thing. <laughs> this kind of guiltless lying is the work of a psychotic. And that makes it kind of hard to watch, you know? <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> and like at one point, like after she, after the parents like kind of just uh, are about to leave, they're, they're telling him, you know, how, how concerned they are and they want him to, to get some rest. He tells them, you're both very special people. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, you just want to reach through the screen and choke yeah. the life out of this kid yeah. because he is such <sighs> a dick. And as soon as they leave, the tender music cuts and he turns to the camera and says, they bought it. <laughs> and then cue the MTV. Oh, man. Oh, and dun, the rock and roll. Dun, dun, yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Yep. <laughs> you see a moon man, and there's a flag. And, and there's a rocket ship. <laughs> yep. Right. It's time to party. Exactly. Right? <laughs> but you're right. It is so disgusting how he treats his parents. <laughs> how he just takes such advantage of their love for him. Yeah. Like, he knows what he can get away with. Yeah. And his sister, Jeannie, like... <laughs> Knows it. And she's standing in the doorway like, what's his problem? (laughs) (laughs) And he is like gesturing to her like, shh, be quiet. You know, hey, wink, wink. You know, I'm getting away with it and you can't. Ha ha. He's telling her full on, you can't do anything about this. He's rubbing it in her face. They love me this much and they don't believe you and they don't love you. Look at me. I am the fair haired boy. Is he a narcissist? Oh, I uh, absolutely. There's no question about it. You know. Yeah, everything's about him. Yes. Right? And it's, and I, what I said earlier about being scared of him, I am. Because I, I, I don't know what he's going to unleash in the world in 30 years, you know? Yeah, right? Uh, holy shit. I, I, I never even thought about that, but... Because <laughs> the whole movie's about, like, how great Ferris Bueller is, right? Yes. Everybody loves him. He's going to go on and do great things. That's even what, like, Alan Ruck says yes. in the movie. Right. Um, and he's, like, telling Mia Sarah, like, he's gonna, we're going to go to college, but he's going to do whatever he wants and be great at it, you right. know? We're just going to do whatever. Like, yeah, what's he going to do? Is he, He's going to become some kind of ruler, a tyrant. <laughs> And be on the phone with like Russia and be like, me, 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 me. Uh, oh my, exactly. And like, he's going to turn on that Eddie Haskell thing. We're going to get thing. nuked. Yes, exactly. It, it's going to be something bad. He's going to turn into Mike Pompeo or something. It's going to be bad. He, he's full on Damien here. This yes. Guy. He right. is the devil. Right. But he's getting off school, right? Uh, exa- yeah. He's playing and, hooky. And he's the hero in, in our story. So <laughs> we'll treat him as such I'm for now. I'm glad we got that out of the way because he is such an asshole. But. He's so charming. Yeah. And the events of the film aren't like anything bad, you know? No. It's just like like fun little things you're doing and we're breaking the rules a little, you know, we're having a good time. Yes. We're we're not bound to authority, but but we're not like killing people <laughs> and no, robbing people. We're not doing things like that. No, he he does nothing in the film that that like he doesn't uh create any victims in this film it, this is all you <laughs> except know. his best friend cameron well i guess that's true you're right but but in Although, the end yeah. like cameron you know we like, can argue about that when exactly, we get there but yes, yeah on, on, i would say it, it it's cameron's fault it's not ferris's fault very well he let it happen okay honestly yeah. we'll, well when we get there we'll get there yes <laughs> um and before we move on it's not super important but it's the kind of thing that someone like me obsesses over <laughs> Um, <laughs> the bedroom? Uh, well, okay. No? The, the, not the bedroom. Okay. Like, I know what you mean about the aesthetics of the bedroom. And I did clock a lot of cool stuff in there. Yeah. But what I was going to bring up was the ages of the two siblings. 
Mm-hmm. Um, like it's established that this is Ferris's senior year. So does this mean that he and Jeannie are like fraternal twins? Um, maybe they are because Jennifer Gray even says like that she plays Jeannie, that she got a car and he got a computer. So yes. maybe they're they, they're twins. They got to be twins. It's got to be because I mean like right? they're they're both in high school and she was given a car, which is like that doesn't seem like something you do for the younger sibling, right? You know? So yeah, she she must be, and if he's a senior, she she can't be older than him and still be in in high school. So yeah. they got to be the same age. It makes sense, and they, I I can see it actually. Yeah. Like they definitely could be twins. Maybe that was in the script somewhere and it just got cut out. Yeah, because I remember hearing that the original cut of the film was two hours and forty five minutes. Whoa, yeah. man! Uh, can you imagine an, an epic Ferris Bueller's Day Off? <laughs> oh my know? God! I want to see that cut. <laughs> I know that would be actually kind of neat to see. I, I kind of do want to see it too because there's like a whole thing where like they go to strip clubs and stuff. Oh and, man, and it was probably a different movie. I it would be different, and I feel like the film as it is now is so well paced yes. that that you would just destroy it. Because even like during the editing process, like some of the events of the day were out of out of order in that first version. Yeah. Um, and so like they had to work to like, Oh, wait a minute, this should go here. You yeah. Know? It was like the, the, the German parade was like before the cub game and stuff. And it was like, what? <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, whatever. <laughs> but, um, so now, uh, we get Ferris Bueller breaking the fourth wall for like the first time, right? He yeah. sit up, sits up in bed. He's talking to the camera. Like, you know, you got to fake out the parents. Here's the rules, you know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, he, and it lists them on the screen, you yeah. know, fake a stomach cramp. And then you lick your palms to get clammy hands, right? You know? And and some people tell you a good phony fever is a good way to go, but if you get a nervous mother, you'll end up in the doctor's office, which is worse than school. That's pretty sage advice. Yeah, it is. It's you know? very true too. Yes. <laughs> um, I I mean like. I think that when people saw this in 1986, they must have just been like, oh, my God, I've been doing it wrong the whole time, you know? <laughs> right. Uh, because in, in E.T., I, I learned about, like, doing a phony fever. Oh, with, you put your... the thermometer up to the light. Exactly. Yeah. You know, but it turns out that was a stupid move because you're right. Like, uh, if, if your parents were, were concerned, you you would be yeah. taking the doctor. Oh, you're 110. Oh, my God. Let's go it's, to the hospital you're, now. Ascent, you're legally dead. Yeah. Right. Oh my god. Um so the whole like beginning of the movie is kind of flashing between Ferris goofing off at home and like <laughs> people at school and kind of the events are kind of yeah. rolling and kind of coming together, you know. Yes, and he's in sort of contact with some people at school. Yeah. Um he he calls a payphone that that's in the middle of the of the hallway. He calls the freshman. Exactly. Yeah. And he's like sort of laying the groundwork for, you know, so that word will spread about his uh, his disease, you know, his yeah, disease. How bad it really is. Exactly. Um, he, he like tells some bullshit story about how he's like John Hurt in Alien. Yeah. Um, and of course, <laughs> I, I don't know if they believe him or not, but, uh, holy it, shit, dude, are you serious? Exactly. <laughs> yes. like, yeah. That's what the kid says. Right. I mean, do I sound like I'm serious? <laughs> yeah. And he's got a synthesizer yeah. with, with like various, uh, retching noises. This kid's computers. Man. It's insane. I, I used to, when I was younger, wonder about kids like like Ferris Bueller and Zach Morris and Parker Lewis, you know, like, did they yeah. really exist? <laughs> and I can't imagine they were did. these slackers, computer geniuses. I, I never met one. I doubt it. I, I never met somebody who not only had that, like you said, slacker computer genius, but also like, you know, the one kid says something like, Oh yeah, he's getting me out of, you know, summer such a, school, summer school. How are any of these guys doing? How these are you deals? getting out? I know. Summer school. At one point, like, you know, it's like, <laughs> I remember hearing about like Zach Morris. Get, oh, get to get me a locker close to this guy. Well, how is he going to do that? Right. And he manages to finagle something. Change the database. I don't, 
I don't get it. I don't get like the the whole like idea of these kids who were super hackers, very charming ladies men, um, who just had connections all over the place and they, yeah. they various disguises. And I, I I don't I never met such a person. Yes, it's fantastical. <laughs> yes, like, it, it is. is not real. <laughs> right. <laughs> like he even hacks in and changes his absences from nine to two. I mean and Rooney, Rooney's reaction to to this to, to Ferris's I, I hack, love it. like he, he's he's so outraged and he's yelling, Grace, you yeah. know, he's yelling across his office, and it's like, dude, just just chill just for a chill moment, for a second. exactly. You're gonna change it back, and you're gonna get like, <laughs> encrypted. It's gonna be fine, right? Like he can't change it back. Dude, just he watched it tick down. <laughs> it's not like he came back and was like, well, maybe I was wrong. No. He watched it get hacked it, live. And and I mean, why is the hack what kind a of countdown? <laughs> why wouldn't it just be like changing Cause it? Because it, it's not high-speed internet yet, Dave. I, I guess it's, it's got to take some time, I guess. <laughs> right. I don't know. Ferris's code. <laughs> I have no that doesn't have broadband. <laughs> I guess not. Well, I, I'd like to look at Ferris's code. You know, yeah, exactly. um, I, I'd, I'd like to review his logic. How is he jacked into this system? I need. I have no. I mean, he probably set it up freshman year just so he could, you know, maybe well, so. well sophomore year because he got it for a sixteen-year-old birthday present, uh, that, uh, right? That's right. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. That's true. Anyway, uh, and one other thing I like about this phone call he's making to these freshmen, they put this other girl on the line, and she's like, "Oh, hey, Ferris, how's your bod? <laughs> how's your bod? Um, it's one of those uh, like I I heard the word bod a lot when I was younger, yeah. and I haven't heard it since." And it always like troubled me a bit. You know, I, okay. I just, I, I didn't react well to the, to the phrase about like to someone referring to a bod. Yeah. yeah. I, I, there was something about it just didn't sit well with me. Yeah. And he's, he's hitting more of like the keys on his keyboard sure. and making cough sounds and stuff. Yeah. And she's like, you think you'll be alive this weekend? He goes, probably. <laughs> Good. Maybe I'll see you. <laughs> it's, it's such like a high school thing. Oh yeah, like, of course. Right. Are you going to be alive? Well, maybe we'll hang out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you, you said that you were like near death, but I mean, we're kids still. So that means you're going to be alive. Right. Uh, like, yeah, because we're never dying, you know? <laughs> Ferris Bueller will never die. Um, yeah. Not, not if the city of Chicago has anything to say about it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, and he's also calling his best friend, Cameron, played by Alan Ruck. Wow. And I'll tell you what, Cameron is such a great character. He is so, so put upon by Ferris. Yeah, it's it's almost gross how he treats his best friend. He's just using him to to get his way. Yes, um, Ferris treats Cameron uh, very cruelly. Um, even if he's like, we only see one scene where they're like actually fighting with each other. Yeah. But yeah, it's always manipulation. Yep. Um, and you know, Cameron's a big boy and he could take care of himself sometimes, but you know, at the same time, right. like he's been dealing with Ferris now since they, like what they said, fifth grade. Yeah. Uh, and those relationships that you have when you're younger like that, um, if you are the, uh, the number two, <laughs> you know, it's hard to overcome that status. Yeah. Yeah. But you do see a lot of moments in the film where Cameron really challenges Ferris. Like, what the fuck are you doing? That's true. He does. Well, or like, you can't treat me like this. And yeah. he calls him out and Ferris ends up kind of apologizing, but he still gets his way. You know, I love that scene too, where he does like the, the thing, like the challenge, he goes, you hit me, Yeah, you know, <laughs> and you deliberately hurt my feelings. And it's like, <laughs> it's so good. They have a, be, besides like the manipulation on Ferris's part, like it feels like they're very emotionally aware of 
where they stand in this relationship and how they treat each other. Oh, very much and so. And it seems like they accept it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. They, they both have uh, uh, really staked out what role they play here. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and it's also, it, <laughs> this has to be discussed because it's just fascinating to me again. Like Alan Ruck was 30 years old yes, when they made this movie. Right. I, I, I mean, dude, he does look very youthful, obviously. He does. But like, He's not, and he's not the oldest actor to ever portray a teenager. But my God, imagine walking into a high school at age thirty and trying to pass yourself off. You know, it's it's there's no way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he he. I think the film pulls it off yeah. where you don't think about it. No. But when you find out he's thirty, you're like, okay, yeah, I can kind of see that. That's weird and wrong. Yeah, you know, it's it's kind of like like Gabriel Carteris on on Beverly Hills nine hundred two one zero was in her thirties when this it was like and. You're just like going, man, why can't they just get teenagers to play these roles? Um, I mean, I, I and Alan, nothing against Alan Ruck. He's great. And he's now he gives an iconic performance in this movie. He obviously. does. I, uh, yeah. It's just it's just a very bizarre thing that they were up to back then by casting people who were way too old to be playing these roles yeah. as the as these characters. I guess they didn't want to spend time scouting uh, people who haven't proven their worth yet. Yeah. You know, young actors who haven't had you know much experience or, right i don't know there's also the whole like practicality thing like if you have someone who's under 18 they can only work half a day too right yeah you know? we'll get someone who's 18 then come like, on. i mean an 18 year old can pass for 18 16. to 21 yeah. get someone sure. in that range it'll work out exactly it, you'll be fine yes um but when we first meet cameron it's one of my favorite things in the movie uh-huh. ferris calls him at home and he's laying in bed i don't i don't know what it is it's like Music from like a mortuary or something is playing. This is really strange <laughs> yeah, shit. Yeah. yeah. And he's in bed, looks like he's dying. <laughs> he's got pills everywhere. Ferris calls him and is like, hey, come pick me up. <laughs> he's like, no, I'm sick. And uh, he hangs up the phone. <laughs> and, and then Cameron says, he lays there and the music kind of swells old and he goes, I'm dying. <laughs> and the phone rings again and he answers and Ferris goes, you're not dying. You just can't think of anything good to do. <laughs> And then he hangs up. <laughs> that joke lives permanently in my mind. Like, Kid Scott saw this movie and was like, what am I watching? Yes. How did he know to say that? He didn't. It's just an amazing bit of comedy. It is. Uh, because, like, yeah, even if you do, like, go away thinking that, like, Ferris and Cameron have some kind of telepathy. Yeah. Like, <laughs> right. that, that's also funny. But even if, but if you say that that's not what's happening, if it's just a joke, you're still like, man, that rules. That's a great joke. That's a right? great joke. Yeah. You know? And then it's followed by something that we we joked about before we did our sound check. <laughs> you know? yes. Cameron, I, I still don't know where this comes from, but he's laying in bed and Alan Ruck does this thing where he says, when Cameron was in Egypt's land. <laughs> Yeah, let my Cameron, Cameron go. go. It means like, nothing. And the, like a choir chimes in behind yes. him while he sings. Yes. It, yeah. And he's in. <laughs> and, and I mean, he's in this house, this insane. It's like house. a museum. Yes. Dude. And then like, and it's it's like ultra modern in the forest. Um, I I mm-hmm. read about like the it's a, it's a real house in northern Illinois that has been like you know passed through various rich people over the years, and it's got a pavilion next to it that is just to like display your an, antique exotic cars. Yeah. Um, and this is where Cameron lives. His bedroom is unlike any teenage bedroom we've ever seen. No. There's like a a podium where his bed is. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. And there's like a sunken living room in it. And then it's all surrounded by glass. Yeah. 
you know, I, I, that that is unimaginable for a like a person of any age to live like, let alone a sullen teenager who's a mope. Yeah, it's uh, like you you said earlier, privileged kids. Yes, these kids have so much privilege that they're dying. They're gonna die from it. It's insane. <laughs> yes, exactly. They're gonna overstuff. They're gonna themselves. overdose on privilege. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> and then it's followed. He's sitting in his car. <laughs> well, we we Ferris says to the camera, you know, ten bucks says he's sitting in his car right now, debating on whether to go. And it cuts to cam- smash cut. Cameron's sitting in the driver's seat, not saying anything, <laughs> just looking ahead. He goes, "He's gonna keep calling me, <laughs> keep calling me. He'll make me feel guilty. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go." And then shit. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect timing, Dave. And then he screams and honks the horn. And I'm like, dude, I, I've been in like this situation. Like, I yes. don't want to go. I'm going to go. Should I go? No, I'm not going to go. Fuck, man. I go, Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and you get like a, 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 like a wide shot outside of the car. And he like is, he gets out and is like jumping around in the sidewalk, you know, like, oh. <laughs> It's so good. Alan Ruck, his physicality in the movie is like, is so necessary and, uh, and you know, and really on display. I mean, like, yes. And it's a big part of his performance. And I, I think that like, uh, it's weird to say he's the best part of the movie because, but it is, I, for me, he um, is. Cameron is the heart of this film. Okay. Yeah. That's he fair. makes this movie. Yeah. It's fun going on this adventure with Ferris, but He's the reason we care. He has an actual arc. Yes. He has a huge arc. Yeah. And his performance is wonderful. Alan Ruck is so good in this. Without Alan Ruck in this role, this movie wouldn't be what it is. I, I agree. And yes, you're right about the heart. And if imagine taking him out of this, like like what the movie, it would be a completely different, almost like hard to take movie. Yeah. Um, because if it's just Ferris, like getting over in every situation and like having no, it's not even about conflict. It's about the conscience of things. Yeah. Um, you need to have Cameron there. Um, he's almost like his guardian angel in I know. a way. Yeah. yeah. If you put it like that. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah. But no, he's the unsung hero of this film. Absolutely. Um, Ferris couldn't do half the shit without him practically, you know, like I he know. couldn't get the car. He couldn't get picked up, drive around. Right. He couldn't. He couldn't make these phone calls to Edward Rooney or or to Abe Froman, you know? Like, he I mean, couldn't dude, make these calls. You, you need Cameron's, uh, like, clearly amazing, you know, improv scene work uh, yeah. to, to, to make these schemes go go forward. Uh, and, and so we should talk about, like, like Cameron's contribution <laughs> after he, like, works himself into getting in the car and coming over to Ferris's house. Uh-huh. Uh, Ferris is now, like, on his fourth outfit, by the way. Um, yeah. Like, he's just been, like, like changing into clothes. Like, he's got, like, a jazz uniform and a, and a suit and a Hawaiian shirt yeah. that he, like, you know, he dances. He was sunbathing to. at one point. Exactly. Yeah. He dances to I Dream of Jeannie at one point. <laughs> um, and then he comes into the kitchen and Cameron is on the phone. And, well, I guess they'd planned this earlier. Yeah. He, this is something, because obviously Sloan knew about the, the day off coming. Yeah. Um, and the whole part of the scam is, like, they're... Cameron is on the phone posing as Sloane, Mia Sarah's character, Ferris's girlfriend, uh, as her father. Yep. And he's asking her to be uh, let out of school because her grandmother is dead. Yeah. What a scheme. Dude. So Ferris is, I mean, he's planned this way ahead, of course, right? Everyone knows. Well, yes. Well, Sloane knows. Cameron probably knows. I think Cameron had to have been in on it and like... 
you like maybe he forgot. Maybe maybe he like didn't have his date. Maybe booked, he was and pretending he to be sick so he didn't have to participate. I, I, that, that's what he was playing hooky from playing hooky. He probably got sick because he knew he was going to fake being sick. Yes. And, and <laughs> that's exactly. the kind of guy he is. Exactly. And like Ferris said it like about how, you know, he's the only guy I know who feels better when he's sick. Yeah. Um, and I read into like uh, some, some stuff from like John Hughes. Uh, like he knew somebody, he was based it on somebody who was like this, who like actually was Cameron. And oh he, man. He would, he, he was like at his best when he was in his room, you know, surrounded by Kleenexes. Um, that was when he was happiest. That sucks. It man. does. That exactly. really sucks. <laughs> um, but yeah, we got the phone call. Well, he's on the phone with Edward R. Rooney, the principal. No, not the principal. Dean of students. Dean of students. Yes, exactly. Yes. I, I called him principal early. It's dean of students. That's important. <laughs> What's the difference? I don't uh, well, know. I, I remember being in the dean's office when I was in high school and uh, like... He was he was running a, a puppet regime at the school. He was definitely in charge, <laughs> Mr. Hernandez. <laughs> uh, but uh, like, there was a principal Edward who was R. Above. Hernandez. Yeah, exactly. This dude. <laughs> uh, but he was um, like, I, I know that like the dean is is in charge of discipline. Oh yes. Okay. So um, that explains why he's after him. Exactly. Um, and he is played by uh, Jeffrey Jones in in. A really sinister performance. Yes. Yeah. Um, this is where I first saw him and it's where he's most remembered yes. from any, th- any role he's done. Right. Um, but yeah, he, he's been out to get Ferris this whole time, right? He's, we've been cutting to him talking to Grace, his secretary. Yes. And, and saying how he's got to get him so that other students don't follow in his footsteps. we got to prove what kind of a loser he is. <laughs> Which, so Ed, Ed Rooney Kind of just uh, ends up getting the shit kicked out of him. <laughs> he, he's like going through the Home Alone traps yes, by the end is. of this movie. Dude, like, exactly. Dude. Yes, you're right. And he's bringing it all on himself, really, because of his desperation to catch this kid. Dude, I mean, absolutely. Because school officials like Ed Rooney are the worst. Because, I mean, as public servants, they're supposed to partner with parents to educate children mm-hmm. and protect them from exactly the kind of stalkerish behavior that Rooney himself <laughs> is exhibiting here. You know, um, he does call the parents. He calls Ferris's mom. He and does. says he's been absent nine times. <laughs> yes, that's right. And that's when the live hack yeah, happens. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I might be able to sympathize with Rooney a little bit if the movie established that this isn't just a personal vendetta. Right. Yeah. You know, um, that Rooney instead has like a legitimate evidence that Ferris is dangerous, which I think he actually is. But, but you know, he knows. Exactly. I've seen, seen these eyes, <laughs> these black right. eyes. That's right. Loomis Rooney. <laughs> um, I mean, Haddonfield is right next door. It is, man. So, it's yeah. to stay it over. Exactly. L- L- Loomis would, <laughs> would probably need to analyze Ferris at some. And I'd like him to because I. I I think that Rooney is in the wrong here, but I also think that Ferris is a bad seed. The, the, and yeah. I, if we don't rein him in now, <laughs> he could become like the next Roy Cohn or something. And, and that would be bad. Yeah. But like, then I could understand where Rooney's coming from. But as it stands, he's just, a, he just looks like some pervert who's just chasing some kid. He's all just over a buffoon that yes. takes pratfalls in the film. Yes, you exactly. Know? And, and he, he's like bested at every turn. Right. And it's because we want Ferris to succeed so badly. Yeah. Um, and I do. I don't want him to get caught. No, I don't think anyone watching this movie no. wants him to get caught. So that's that's the joke, right? Like right. Rooney is trying to foil his plans, but 
uh, it doesn't work. Right, exactly. He ends up getting, he eats, he gets egg on his face. Yes. And during this exchange where Cameron calls Rooney's office, um, he's, he's being very sensible and like just pretending to be Sloan's father. And he's putting on this, this voice Mm -hmm. uh, that like only Alan Ruck can pull (laughs) off. It's this like weird authority figure voice that he uses for every occasion. Um, (laughs) And, (laughs) you know, (laughs) this whole sequence of the film uh, with him on the phone is some of the strongest comedy in the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, the, the secretary grace played by Edie McClurg. She is responsible for one of my biggest laughs in the film. Yeah. Um, I think you know which one I'm talking okay. about. Okay. Uh, when she has to impersonate Jeffrey Jones. Oh, phone, baby. Her impression consists of her just going, ur, 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 to which Cameron oh. goes, Rooney, calm down. <laughs> you know? Rooney, calm down. I love it so much. God, it's so good. Rooney, this is George Peterson. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, I should say you do. It's really good. Yes. Um, Because the... We, didn't, we haven't even mentioned the joke, even. Like, no. the whole joke is a big setup because he thinks it's Ferris Bueller playing with him, yeah. lying about the grandmother, trying to get Sloan out of school. So he's baiting him in, into proving that he's it's just Ferris. He's talking all kinds of shit to, to what oh, yeah. he thinks is Ferris Bueller impersonating like, Mr. Peterson. He's like, yeah, I'll, I'll excuse Sloan. You just uh, uh, produce a body and I'll let her, let her out of school. He's like, what? <laughs> Oh, and Cameron performs admirably yeah. through this. Just just roll her old bones down here and, and I'll, I'll release your daughter. Yeah. I'll tell you what, dipshit. <laughs> like, that's what he says to him. He thinks he's talking to Ferris. Yes. And Cameron, like I said, is really cool throughout this whole thing. Yeah. He is like, you know, he's being... Improv expert. Exactly. And he's just like, well, Ed, are you saying you wanted to see a body? Um, <laughs> yeah, it's school policy. Yeah, school policy. <laughs> And the big joke is um, another call comes in and Grace goes and answers it. And it's Ferris Bueller on the line. And as soon as you see that in the film, Grace realizes it just like the audience realizes Rooney is totally fucked because he is being inappropriate person to someone whose mother just died. (laughs) She goes in and says, Ed, Ed, Ed. And that's when he says, I'll tell you what, dipshit. And he's like pointing at the phone. Uh, and she's like, Ferris Bueller's online too. And then the music goes like, like, yes. like psycho almost. Right. And it cuts to his face and he's just drop. It's drop dead, like white almost. He he is so stunned about what has just happened. Jeffrey Jones, there's a close up and he doesn't blink for about 45 <laughs> seconds. You know? <laughs> he's really just like, he's stunned because like his career is ending. Oh yeah. You know, this is it. He just insulted this student's father yeah. who had a family tragedy. Um, <sighs> and then the camera cuts to like the desk phone and there's the hold button flashing. <laughs> yeah. And as it's flashing, like the bells are tolling, like it's going, dong, dong. <laughs> like it's so good, dude. <laughs> and actually, I just realized that at this point, we don't know that it's Cameron. On we, the don't. Line until we don't. We don't. We think it's real. Exactly. Yeah. And then we cut when he switches the line and goes, uh, Mr. Peterson, sir, I'm afraid I owe you an apology. And we cut to Cameron going, well, I should say you do. <laughs> A family member dies and you insult me. What the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> that's that's pretty good, Dave. So, thank pretty you. good. Thank you. <laughs> and then that's when Ferris walks out with his suit on, his eighth <laughs> change of clothes. And he... And he says it's Ferris, Ferris Bueller. Yes, you know he does the Bond thing. Yep. Yes, yeah. Um, and and then he doesn't like what Cameron does next. 
Right. Um, and which I, I don't know what he wanted. I don't either. Because Cameron is right. Because eventually, like, essentially what he does is he like, first he says, oh, I, I want, you know, um, I want you to have uh, Sloan out in front of the school by herself. Yeah. I don't want anyone out there. Right. I want her alone. Right. Then he switches tracks because, like, Ferris doesn't like that. And he says, oh, no, here. Uh, and then he's, well. Too suspicious. Re- exactly. So he says, oh, well, actually, I want you out there with her. I got a, got a few words for you, <laughs> by God. Yeah. <laughs> and then that's when he slaps him and yeah. knocks the phone on his hand. And he has to, like, hang up frantically, be like, actually, I'm too busy. We'll get together and have lunch. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and then, yes. uh, then then that's when they have that argument. But right. no, you hit me. <laughs> that, and um, it's a good... You know, it's a good interaction between the two of them. Yeah. Cameron's like, if you don't like how I'm participating in your stupid crap, I'm going to leave. Uh, that's a great line. Yeah. Uh, if you don't, I... I, I think uh, I butch, butchered the line. It was, but, uh, And it's... He's right. Because, like, this is a... This is a scam that's going to get all of them in a hot seat. Well, he even says, he's like, you make me get up, and come oh out of bed, come yeah. over here, make a phony phone call to Ed Rooney. <sighs> the man could squash my nuts into oblivion. <laughs> And then, and then you deliberately insult me. Yeah. It's, I love it. I know I do too. I I could just like, I could just like quote lines from these scenes all day long and I could act it out. And I mean, like, I just, I love how hurt Alan Ruck is in this. And and it's real. I I mean, it's funny, but it's also real. And, and like, I feel bad for Cameron because, you know, he's, he's definitely being, uh, he did an expert job on that prank, on that phone call. Yeah. I mean, he was, everything was going, that deal was going great until Ferris walked in. Right. The Vermont deal would have went through Absolutely. if he was involved. That exactly right, dude. <laughs> you know, like Mrs. Bueller needs, needs, you know, like Mr. Peterson on the line. By the way, um, Ferris's parents in the movie, the, the actor and actress, like, yes. they actually got married in real life. Yes. They, they became a couple and they got married and had kids. Yeah. yeah which is really cool. Pretty man. cool. I know. <laughs> so now Ferris tells Cameron, I need a favor because of your screw up. <laughs> I can't believe he says that to him, but that's what he says. Yeah. Um, I need to steal your dad's Ferrari. Dude. <laughs> I mean, this is one hell of a favor. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's I, I, apparently only 100 were made, you know, <laughs> which is right. just I'm like, not a huge car guy, so I don't right. know what he says, but he says some really cool car stuff. Yes, he does. And there's really cool music playing yep. with a really cool car in this awesome garage. And Ferris is in his suit, you know, this <sighs> handsome dude in a glorious suit of course. next to a limited edition Ferrari. I mean, it looks great. I mean, you know, I want to drive that thing. I do too, but like there are other cars in this garage, you know, there's a model T yes, right. I mean, it's like, it's like the car that like they want to rent in sunset Boulevard. Like that's just there in the background. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he chooses the, the cherry red Ferrari because of course that's what Ferris Bueller is going to go for. Yeah, of course. But like everything he says there. About like, you know, his, his dad never drives it. He just rubs it with a diaper, Yeah, which is like, I, I understand about that. If he, if he has a car yeah. that literally only, only the, the hundred richest Kings in the world right. have, then of course he's not going to drive it anywhere and he's going to know the exact mileage and he's going to know anytime someone even, he, he would have a, a sophisticated alarm system, oh my like God. the one from entrapment in this He thing. would know that the door was just open. Absolutely. Even though it's 1986. Yes. There's. There was technology then that would notify you of this exactly. stuff. Yes. And when you're this rich, he probably has 18 of those things. Yes. 
I know, right, right. <laughs> Just in case 17 go out. Because <laughs> that's how much he loves this car. Right. Cameron spells it out to the audience, plain and clear. He loves the car. He doesn't love him. He loves the car. <laughs> Which is sad, but true. I know. Mm-hmm. I know. Um, and Ferris says, what, your dad doesn't trust you? And he goes, never, never did, never will. Yeah. Very sad. Yeah. Poor Cameron. I know. And because it's Alan Ruck and he's a great comedic presence, I mean, yeah. he, he delivers the line and we laugh. It's but, funny. Yeah. Exactly. But like, obviously, yeah, that's tragic. Oh, yeah. There's sympathy you know? like laced through that of course. line. Right. Um, and, and that all builds up throughout the movie. He says it several things like that several times, you yep. know, and then it culminates later, which we'll get to. Right. But he lets Ferris take it out of the garage, man. It's, like why okay so like you said something earlier about like you know stuff being cameron's fault and everything cameron being like in the wrong on certain things i mean was this what you were talking about this is one of the things okay he he could have stopped him from doing this right he could have easily stopped him right if he really wanted to and that's what cameron says actually later during the climax he says yeah i could have stopped you yes i didn't want i I wanted this to happen that's why i didn't stop you you know deep down like he he wanted this yeah, yeah. I, yeah, that's true. Like, maybe he was... To, like, to, to go against his father, finally stand against his father. Right, right. So I guess this is the, the, the catalyst for him, like, kind of overcoming his father's uh, authority is to, I guess, he's going to have to, like, let let Ferris get away with this first, you know? That's <laughs> right, the first yeah. step. Yeah, even though if he doesn't realize it in this moment, yeah. like, later he does. Like, yeah, yeah I could have stopped you if I wanted to. Right, um, right. But yeah, this is one of the things where I say, yeah, it's kind of his fault that this happens. Right. Not entirely. Because like, like if Cam- Ferris didn't put him up to it, oh yeah, it wouldn't have happened at all, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> there's no way that Cameron would have ever taken the car out on his own. No, um, and or even like even apart from Ferris and Sloan, if he just wanted to like sneak and have a drive, you know, right? He would never I, do such a thing. We've kind of been talking shit on the relationship, how badly Ferris treats him. Yeah, but there is some sincerity to it. Like he's always yeah. talking to the audience um, and saying like talking about Cameron's life and how it kind of sucks and right. he just wishes it was better. And a lot of the stuff he's doing is to give Cameron a good time. Yeah. Um, like even later in the movie when they're leaving downtown, they're in the cab and Alan Ruck says like, yeah, I haven't seen anything good. And Ferris <laughs> yes. is like, what? Uh, like yeah. in disbelief, you he's know? Like, and he even what? looks at the uh, the audience, like at the camera. It's like, are you kidding me? Exactly. Like, like, whoa, 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 like, we yeah. went to the baseball game. Right. We went to a museum. We saw we're priceless works of art we ate pancreas we ate pancreas <laughs> you know, right. like, he, he's doing a lot of it so cameron has fun too right um i think no, number one reason though is ferris wants to do it yeah of course <laughs> and and like him him having cameron along is a bonus thing and and like it's nice that he can yeah. do something for him but yeah ultimately this is about ferris yeah right, right. <laughs> so they get the ferrari yeah they pick up sloan from high school and inspector gadget walks out of this car dude <laughs> Like, Ferris Bueller is dressed like Inspector Gadget, which I know someone at the studio saw this movie and was like, you know who we need to cast as Inspector Gadget? Matthew Broderick. I mean, he's, it works. He's already worn the costume It's already once. on film. Right. Um, yeah. And every time I see, you know, like this part where he's... he's He's trying to do the Mr. Peterson voice. Yeah. Um, and it, it works for like, you know, for, for their purposes because he's standing far enough away that like <laughs> Rooney couldn't see. Um, but yeah. here's where Rooney really shits the bed. Yeah. Um, he comes out there with Sloan. He's sprung her from, from the class. Yep. Um, and <sighs> Sloan thanks him for, for his, his kind words <laughs> and compassion. She goes over to the Ferrari where Ferris is waiting and, 
And she plants this make out on him. Yeah. You've ever kissed for daddy? Fucking hell. Oh, man. I mean, like, they fucking make out. And Rooney says, ah, so that's how it is in their family. Okay, Rooney. Maybe you call the the family services right now. Absolutely. Exactly. What the fuck are you doing? You are a school administrator in charge of discipline and protecting the children. Yeah. And you're letting it happen. Yep. What is wrong with you? Yeah. I, I just, wow. Yeah. I mean, obviously we know that's not what's happening, but like right. what from his vantage point, that's what he's seeing. And his response is, so that's how it is in their family. Yep. Dude. Pretty awful. Wow. Um, especially considering what he did in his personal life, if you know that story, which we don't have to get into. <laughs> Jeffrey Jones. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. Jeffrey Jones has had some perverted moments of his own. Yes. Pretty, um, pretty bad stuff. Yeah. It's kind of like. Trying to watch Woody Allen now. Oh my god, it's kind of tough. I know exactly. <laughs> yes, there there are just so many hidden monsters in Hollywood, and, yeah. and and unfortunately, many of them are really talented actors and filmmakers. Um, but yeah, so now they're they're free, man. You know, this Ferrari is zooming around the highway. You see all the skyscrapers. Big city now. Uh huh. Yep. Exactly. Some good stuff. Um. Okay. At what point do we talk about the timeline? Um, and like the. <laughs> no, no, anytime. Okay. Because uh, it's been bothering me since, you know, the late 80s, I guess. But like. Uh, I. Um, For like over 30 years. <laughs> yes, yeah. Exactly. This is age old problem. He's been dude. waiting for this moment. <laughs> It's probably been talked about by thousands of fans over the years, of course, but like we just need to touch on the impossibility of the number of activities they cram into their one day off. Yeah. Um, I mean, when Ferris and Cameron pick up Sloan, <laughs> let's say it's 10 a.m., right? Um, they drive to the city, which under optimal conditions takes about 30 minutes. Um, they walk out of the parking garage after leaving the car with Richard Edson. Yes. I love Richard <laughs> yeah, Edson. He's, dude. Awesome. he's so good in this, man. He's so cool. Relax. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yes. And he, hey, what country do you think this is? <laughs> yeah, man. So cool. Um, but they hit the Sears tower. Now, when you go to the Sears tower, you've been there. Um, that's an experience. It, it is. takes at least an hour with no line. You don't just walk into the <laughs> yeah. lobby and get on the elevator and just whiz up to the 110th floor. You got to uh-huh. stand in a line for a long time. <laughs> um, and then they have a sit down lunch at a fancy restaurant. Um, and it's in a place not even close to Wrigleyville where they need to get to, <laughs> you know, for the Cubs game. Yeah. Um, then they're shown at the game, which always started at one back then because like Wrigley had no lights at the time. Um, and granted the movie never specifically says that they arrived for the first pitch or stayed for the whole game. But according to what, right. what it presents us, it's inferred that they caught a foul ball and saw all nine innings. Right. Yeah. Then it's onto the museum. <laughs> you know, I, I just, I obviously then there's a, I mean, the last time I was at the art Institute of Chicago, I walked in at 11 and when it closed at five, I hadn't yet seen everything. Yeah. So I was there six hours and I had to go back the next day to finish my journey. Um, and we see them admiring paintings. So they're definitely not just like popping in and popping out. Right. So, yeah. And then the Von Steuben Day Parade um, and where Ferris <laughs> performs two full numbers. I mean, you know, it's just crazy. Oh, this is great. <laughs> this is a full day. Yes, it is. There's it is. an app for this, though, I think now. Right. Like, oh, I really? saw an ad on YouTube, it. I think. Oh, like, wow. If you've you got a layover in Rome, how do you see the Coliseum? Well, you got to have this app. You can get in and out real quick. You know? Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, so okay. you won't miss your plane 
Probably. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe they had that app. Ferris hacked in and got them like front row and like everything, you know, like. Yeah. If Ferris has access to the internet in 1986, then yeah, he probably does have the world's first smartphone. (laughs) Relax. Yes. (laughs) Yes. It is damn near impossible that they do all this in one day. Right. After they've already spent several hours doing nothing. I know. Because he's he's like having like uh, daiquiris in his front yard. This has to be ready to go at 6 a.m. Exactly. We have to be in the city like at sunup essentially. And dad comes home at 6 sharp. Right. You got 12 hours. Right. Right. Ain't happening. Man, <laughs> not, not by the seat of your pants like they do it. No, you know? exactly. Yes, because yeah, they don't have a reservation. They don't have an itinerary. No, it's <laughs> just they're just going from place to place, making it up as they go along. Yeah, it's really. I mean, it's oh, something. dude. But yeah, we we go first to the <laughs> to the after the parking garage. Obviously, uh, Richard Edson and the other dude steal the car. Yeah, um, which which rules. Yeah, um, and like they don't know it, of course. But these guys are just joyriding all over Chicagoland. Uh, yeah, you know, like like catching air. You get the Star Wars theme. Yes. Oh, it's yes. so, so good. good. Right. <laughs> the car flies <laughs> over the camera like like a star destroyer in, yeah, in yeah. Star Wars. You know, like. So good. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. But um that's great. And then they go to the Sears Tower and they like lean on the rail. Like I did that. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know if you did that. Everyone who goes there has probably done it because right. of this movie. Right. Um and you get another great line from Alan Ruck where he says, I think I see my dad. <laughs> son of a bitch is down there somewhere. <laughs> He's like son of a bitch is down there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. <you know? laughs> And then they go to Chez Louis. Uh-huh. It's a, a fancy French restaurant. Yeah. Um, and, boy, th- th- <laughs> this this thing here. Um, okay. Uh, the, the scam in the restaurant <laughs> is they walk up and Ferris, the maitre d' is, is somewhere else. And so they, they, they look to see, look at the, at the, the roster of the reservations. And yeah. Ferris sees a table for three for Abe Froman at noon. Um and he decides he's going to impersonate this man um, and steal the table. <laughs> like he's not going to show up. I mean, dude, I, like at, Abe Froman, if he's the sausage king of Chicago, <laughs> he has made a reservation with some intent. He's going yeah. to show up for his reservation. And if if everyone knows the sausage king of Chicago so well... Won't they know what he looks like? Yes, they would. He's probably on the cover of Sausage Magazine, you know? <laughs> Chicago Sausage Times. Yes. yes. <laughs> the Major D calls him out. Okay, t- take the kids back to the playground. Field trip's <laughs> over, you know? And Ferris doubles down. Yep. He's like, no, I want my table. I want it right now. I'm going to call the cops. <laughs> so he calls the cops from... The fucking lobby of this restaurant. <laughs> but what he does is he calls the restaurant. So it looks like they're getting another call. And it, he tells the maitre d' to run off and get an, another phone somewhere. Yeah. And so while he's doing that, he has Sloan talk on their line to the maitre d' who's at the other phone. And ask for Abe Froman. And she describes 
Ferris Bueller to him. And Sloan's description of Abe Froman <laughs> is terrible. Yeah. I mean, she describes his outfit. What the fuck? She How would you know what he's wearing? I, I know what he's wearing right now. Devilishly handsome. Oh, come on. You know? <laughs> okay. Got it. Uh, uh, and what are they going to do yeah, when Froman actually shows I up? I know, right? I mean, it's just... Yeah, it makes no sense that she would describe so, the clothes he's so the wearing at this D moment. Hangs up and sees that the line is still flashing. <laughs> so he picks it up again and he overhears the Ferris Bueller calling the cops. And it's Cameron again going, <laughs> Mr. Froman, this is Sergeant Peterson, Chicago PD. <laughs> so you get that great callback to Cameron's phone voice. It's so good, man. They, the, like, just that. That unseen authority figure character <laughs> that, that Cameron can employ in any situation. And it yep. gets them out of a jam. Yeah, it's so good. Man, yeah, the best. Dude, we're gushing so hard on this movie because we love it so much. Exactly. And um, I mean, like, I, it's it's only been since we started the, like, I mean, I, I recognized <laughs> it, like, earlier, too. I mean, just because I was a fan of it. But, like, recognizing now, like, how good Alan Ruck is in this movie. Yeah. And... When they sit down at the lunch, like there, there's a great montage of uh, Ferris is in the bathroom, um, like breaking the fourth wall. He's, yeah. you know, like being, um, you know, it's one of those where they have the attendant. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And he's uh, talking about like Cameron's upbringing and everything. And they keep cutting back to Cameron eating. There's no dialogue. It's just Alan Ruck chewing food. <laughs> and he's having these reactions to it. And like, he's getting a little bit of indigestion and he's coughing some and he looks behind him and he's like, Oh, you know, cause like these, these, uh, these sophistos are staring at him. And, and he's, he's in a Gordy Howe Detroit Red Gordie Wings jersey, jersey <laughs> in this blot. <laughs> right, man. It rules. And, <laughs> it's just great physical comedy for it Alan is. Ruck. You know? It's so good. Yes. And in this moment, we find out uh, that Ferris's dad is also in this restaurant. <laughs> so they have to sneak out in the dumbest plan oh ever. Oh, my God. Like, there's his dad and the two business associates are standing there trying to get a cab. So Ferris... And the crew, their plan is to just steal the cab they're about to get into. Yeah. Why don't they just walk down the corner? Dude. Or go out <sighs> the side entrance. I know, I know. Just like, I mean, they're, they're standing there, like, with the dad, like, they're on a raised platform, and he's down on the sidewalk, like, six feet away, and they're just standing there. <laughs> you and know, they all got sunglasses on now. Which is not much of a to disguise. Conspicuous. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, I, I get it. It's a comedy, and yeah, it's just meant yeah. to be kind of silly, right. but... It is not, it is so dumb exactly. and unnecessary. It's not plausible. Ferris is very smart. He right. wouldn't do this. No, exactly. And and he wouldn't, he wouldn't engage also in like the, the kind of three stooges style, like, you know, whoa, 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 like at the, at the door of the cab. Cause they're like kind of bumping into each yeah, other right. and they're trying to avoid the dad. And... <laughs> avoid the dad. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, and while they're doing this, Rooney is on the loose trying to find <laughs> Ferris. Oh, he leaves school, and he goes to, like, one restaurant, yeah. bar, in all of Chicago. Oh, holy crap. And thinks he found him. It's he thinks like, he found Ferris Bueller. The one place he goes to. <laughs> what is he... Th how does he go to this pizza joint? Like, like, what made him decide that this was the place? I don't know. But he walks in, and he sees someone from behind... Wearing, like, I guess a jacket he thinks Ferris wears. Yeah. 
And he goes up behind this person and says, your ass is mine. <laughs> oh, God. It's and they Jeffrey turn Jones. around and it's this woman and she's, it's not Ferris. No. And she spits Coca-Cola in his face. And Rooney got off light with he that. He did. Yeah. He said, your ass is mine to a stranger. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, the cuffs need to go on this guy right now. Yeah. Because uh, I mean, like, this is a minor. Obviously, she's playing video games. This is like the second time in this movie exactly. he's been very inappropriate yes. with kids. Yes, indeed, dude. Um, so now he goes up to the the like pizza maker guy at the counter, <laughs> right. and one of the greatest sport jokes of all time. Oh, yeah, dude. Right. <laughs> Rooney says, what's the score? And this is the baseball game that they're attending, right? Yes. And <laughs> he says, nothing, nothing. <laughs> Which is such a Chicago thing to say. <laughs> nothing, nothing. Yep. And then Rooney says, who's winning? <laughs> and the guy looks at him, this Mario looking guy, and he goes, the Bears. <laughs> and then Rooney has this paper towel he dried himself off with, and he does like a wind up in yes. a pitch yes. into the trash exactly. can. Exactly. And it's a horrible wind up. Oh, yeah. It, it is like it's the gangliest. It's like gangliest. a cartoon. Fred Flintstone wind up. Yeah, this dude, he's not making first string <laughs> with this wind up. No, no way. That's like a 12 mile per hour softball. <laughs> exactly. That's dude. nothing. And meanwhile, the, on the TV, like when Rooney looks down to like like wipe the, the Pepsi off of his off of his lapel, uh-huh. you see Ferris catching a foul ball. Yep. Yeah. Um <clears throat> he's just always like one step away from where he needs to be. Yes, I mean, he is. And you know, like I, I guess. Him walking in, like, we're wondering what made him walk into this, like, uh, arcade slash pizza joint. Um, he was closer than he thought. He just needed to not be a creep to that girl. <laughs> and he'd be fine. He would have seen the TV and seen, oh, my God, he's at Wrigley Field right now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yep. Wow. He, he, he's so close yet so far, man. Yes. And, like, while this is happening, we also follow Jeannie. Uh, yeah. his sister around and right. she's so mad <laughs> that Ferris gets to do whatever he wants and nothing ever works out for her. Right. She's very jealous of him. Yeah. Um, and she has a right to be. Yeah. Um, I, because he, yeah. he does get everything he wants and he is a little shit about it. I mean, if he was like humble and stuff, maybe yeah. she could look past it, but he's like mocking her. Right. And like, um, just rubbing it in her face. Yeah. And the only thing that keeps her going is that she got the little Fiero and he didn't. Right. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, After all, I got a car. Exactly. Right. <laughs> so I guess that's something. Yeah. If you look at her inside the interiors of her, of her car too, um, it was a cool feature on the, on the Fiero in the eighties where <laughs> there was a speaker in the passenger seat. Oh yeah. Like on the headrest. Yeah. True luxury, real class, <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> What about the driver's seat? Was that just too much? I think that was a bit much, yeah. <laughs> you probably couldn't hear cars driving. Exactly, dude, right? Yeah, so so she's out to get Ferris, kind of like how Rooney is, yeah, too. Yeah, right. Maybe not going to the lengths he is. Yeah, she knows when to, like, you know, like, kind of pull back, and she also is doing it kind of for, for more nobler reasons, you know, I, I yeah. think. I think Jeannie's motivations are, to get Ferris, are a little more pure than, than what Rooney's after. I mean, he's an adult who is, like, taking <laughs> way too much of an interest in a minor, right. you know? E- even though technically it's his responsibility True. to handle these things, yes. I think he's just feeding his ego and having a power trip. Exactly. That's what he's doing. Because he could hire a bunch of truant officers to go out looking for Ferris. I mean, like, that, that's what they do. You know, in, instead, he's, like, taking time out of his day, driving his K-car 
into the into this you know <laughs> yeah, like, little area. <laughs> and I mean, just I, I, we can't stress enough how big the city of Chicago is <laughs> with all of its suburbs too. It's gigantic, exactly. Dude. And and he found. Uh, uh, yeah, he I'll never get over one it. place. <laughs> I found him. Exactly. That was uh, easy. Case yes, closed. Exactly. Yes. You did it this time, Rooney. <laughs> nice. Nice. Grace says he sounds like Dirty Harry at one point. Yes. And he gets like this face on his, like, this face on his look. Yeah. <laughs> and he kind of like does that little like gruff, like, oh. you know, like, like a little snarl. It, it like, really, yeah. it, it it's like really, really was just what he wanted really, to hear. Dude. Yeah, exactly. He's like the idea of like of Edward Rooney being a, like a tough guy. Pose, yeah, he's gonna right? go home and look in the mirror and like, oh, do that face. Man, it's pretty gross. And shame on you, Grace. <laughs> yes. Don't do oh, this. And you sound like Dirty Harry just now. Grace, I was on your side when you were when you were like like naming off all the all the uh oh, like yeah, the, the groups dweebies, that, the dickheads. <laughs> the dweebies and dickheads and sluts and spartos and motorheads. <laughs> they all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. <laughs> she names about twelve different clubs, like like yeah. twelve different like subgroups. Like every of click possible. Yes. <laughs> and and some of which don't actually exist. I never yeah. met any I mean, I know that like I, I not that they travel in packs. Yeah. You know, like the, the I've never heard of sports. I figure that's just like the jocks, but doesn't she also say jocks? So like she does, and <laughs> and sporto is also used in the Breakfast Club. So I think okay. it's just a like a term that like John it, Hughes might have made it, up. Okay, you know, yeah. it, and it it is a jock. Okay, yeah. So she needs to learn her vocabulary, and you can knock one of those out, save a little time. Yeah, exactly. Sure. Yeah, you don't Come have to name both of them. Get right. up to speed. Right. <laughs> <laughs> She's so good. The one point she's pulling multiple pencils out of her hair. I know because like, she's got this bouffant, yeah. and and I guess like you know a lot of pencils can fit up there. Yeah. And she also tells Jeannie off in a really shitty way. Um, yeah, you know that's none of your business, young lady. It's yeah. like oh god, yep. you know. I mean, yeah. it's just a it's a withering thing where like well, it's kind of good. I think she did appropriate because Jeannie, of course, yeah, Jeannie is out of line. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just that like for me, like when it from like age. Four until 17. <laughs> the, one of the worst things I could experience was like being told off by an adult who wasn't my parents. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, I just, it always just gave me the, like, I, I felt like, I felt really low and like, a, it was a real gut punch for me yeah. at the time. So, yeah. They go to the museum after this, right? Yes. And I love the museum scene because it kind of changed the whole tone of the movie. Like right. the way the music kicks in, it's really like melancholic. Yeah, you're right. You're and, right. And uh, they're looking at all these like beautiful paintings and stuff. Yes. And there's no dialogue or anything. It's like a montage, really. Right. And and the Chicago, the Art Institute of Chicago just has, you know, like it's got priceless works of art in there. I mean, six hours worth, like you said. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you can even see it all. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but um, you, there's like bits of humor in this. Like yeah. they're walking with the kids hand in hand and yeah. then, like. They're all standing there kind of like mocking a painting. Right. But it's really, it, it's not really funny, you know? No. Um, and and I think that they're like almost like, I, th- I think it's, they're, they're kind of staging uh, perspective in a painting. Like, you know, yeah. you see uh, Ferris in the foreground and then, uh, you know, Sloan is right behind him and then, you know, Cameron in the back and they're, they're kind of in, almost yep. like at angles, you know, like just, just show perspective. Yep. And um, you get a clip of Sloan and Ferris making out. Yeah. Like you actually feel like, okay. It, this isn't like a movie theater makeout session. They're like sincerely kissing it's very in, tender in this moment. museum. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you also see Cameron staring at a painting and it keeps getting close up on his eyes and then close up on this girl and the painting to her eyes. And it goes back and forth closer and closer. And it, I don't know what the meaning is. Like if he's actually looking into himself and kind of 
dealing with his demons he has, like by just staring at this painting or something. Yeah. But th- there's symbolism here I haven't analyzed enough to figure out yet. Right. And I know John Hughes, I mean, he intentionally did this, obviously, but I know he's on record saying stuff about this, like yes. what, he, what he meant by it and stuff. Right. He said something about like um, Cameron struggling to find his identity in the face of one of the children in the painting. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, it, the, the painting was a Sunday afternoon on the island of La Grande Jete, uh, painted in 1884. And I've seen this clip of Cameron staring at this French painting. Yeah. Um, in tons of like Instagram reels where it's just this one, like, you know, 30 second sequence of yeah. like cutting to the, to the painting, cutting back to Cameron and then getting closer up on the painting and yeah. until you're like, you know, almost like you, you're, you're too close to the painting to even see anything. Yeah. It's just dots. Right. And they've replaced the music with like scarier stuff. Yeah. And it, and it's like, <laughs> it's, it's really effective. Right. Like it's kind of nightmarish. Cause like, like Alan Ruck's face that like, just like Jeffrey Jones and the unblinking thing where he's got like these, piercing blue eyes like it's an interesting face that, that registers on camera really well and then when you put it against that painting and then like this dirge funeral music yeah. it's like oh man this is kind of scary you know yeah and i mean it's only a, f- a few minutes long this whole sequence yes. and they just toss it in honestly it it could be thrown out i know i'm glad they kept it because it, right. it's just something special in the movie it kind of marks a turning point of the film too yeah and it and it shows too that like uh I mean imagine like kids ditching school and going to the art museum man you know it's uh, that sounds was, good to me sure but, uh, exactly that I mean what if you caught your kid you know like like ditching school and like you find him oh, were you were you at the art museum <laughs> you know it's like how how could you punish him you know uh, yeah that's pretty tough exactly <laughs> <laughs> um yeah and we Rooney goes to Ferris's house oh, at one point, man. which is where you should have went in the first place. Where are you most likely to find him if he's saying he's sick? Probably yeah. at home. Probably at right? home. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so Ferris has rigged the doorbell when it's pressed. It plays another one of his technological traps. You know, <laughs> he's got a pre-recorded message where Ferris is like, "Who is it?" Oh, I can't come to the door right now because I'm sick. I might fall down the steps. And he's got like perfect like pauses for all the, the yeah. breaks in the conversation. And, the, you know, like the kind of answers for each like normal yeah. conversational questions you'd be asked. Yeah. Um, and earlier, Ferris's mom had come home. Yeah. You know, after her talk with Rooney, she had like just this momentary doubt where, you know, maybe, well, what if he, I, maybe I need to just verify that he's actually homesick. Yeah. Um, so she comes home and she goes up the stairs and, um, she opens the door and it's, it's, as you said, one of his technological, one of his booby traps that he said. Um, but it's like, instead of, uh, like a pendulum coming down and slicing her head off, it's just a, a way of like, he's rigged his stereo system, his tape deck to like play yeah. snoring sounds. And he's got a pulley system that is working this, this mannequin in the bed. <laughs> yeah. Like, like turn it on its side a little exactly, bit. Exactly. Yeah. Like he's, like he's shifting in his sleep. And when Ferris's mom peeks into the room at first glance everything looks in order but like the dummy work isn't designed to hold up under closer scrutiny yeah yeah um so when she goes back in for a second look and then decides against it for no reason it's a pretty tense moment you know um and i wondered why she went back in for a second look yeah and like what she didn't see anything different no you know no i I did that elbow on that mannequin is pretty pointy yes it is you can see the joint <laughs> like and, and it's the wrong flesh tone as well yeah, it's, it's a lot darker than him yes um and it's clearly like he's got like a lego guy hair um i mean <laughs> yes it's a does. fake person in this bed you know yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, but she she buys it. Yeah, exactly. She, she goes yeah. on. Yeah. And I love later when Jeannie runs in to like confront everything. <laughs> yeah. She like busts his door open, and because of the pulley system, like right. the weight just drops so far that the mannequin like flies up, like <laughs> it busts in half. I like, know. <laughs> like the torso is on the ground. And she's like, I know it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. <laughs> but no, Rooney's at the house and he's like, he hits the doorbell twice and it's the same message. Yes. And he's like, okay, something's up now. Right. So he starts walking around the house and he like gets his shoes stuck in the mud and he goes to sneak in the doggy door and then the, the Rottweiler attacks him. Yeah. Uh, rightfully so. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Why are you in our house? Yes. You creep. So he gets attacked by a dog. His clothes are ruined, you know. Um, he got Pepsi on him early. You know, it's just getting worse and worse, right? Exactly. He and he and like the he, he does a really bad. Uh, I I can't remember if it was the dog bit him on the ankle or or if something else happened. Oh yeah, his leg is pretty messed up from yeah, the dog attack. Exactly, yeah. and it's it's like the 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 pants are ripped and there's blood all down the you know the back of it. Yep. And, um, he is in the kitchen, and Gene <laughs> is. Thinks that she has nabbed Ferris, yeah. like that, that she's got him. So, and he thinks that he's got Ferris because he hears Jeannie like skulking around. Mm-hmm. So they both come around the corner into the kitchen and they jump out and yell, ha. And Jeannie <laughs> does a kangaroo kick three times <laughs> to his face. Dude. <laughs> I mean, it's like a whack, whack, whack. <laughs> <laughs> Like, it might just be one kick, but they play it three times I, for I emphasis. I think that's what it is, yeah. But it's yeah. so funny that right. they do the triple kick. Right. It's so funny. And Rooney's head, like, just flies back every time. Whack, whack, whack. <laughs> and when he has that busted lip, like, oh, it looks like it hurts so bad. I mean, she could have killed him with this. Yeah, you know? dude. <laughs> like, the, the, br- the, br- the nose bone, like, might have went oh, back yeah. in the brain. Oh. I mean, like, because she hits him right in... Under the under the nose, oh, dude. You know, yeah, he got brained pretty good, exactly. probably. I yes, mean, good thing he's got a big nose. <laughs> and then she screams and runs off, uh-huh. which is so funny, actually. And she does the dumbest thing ever. She runs upstairs. Yeah, kids, run out the run house. Run out of the house, and she and you have a car, Jeannie. Just just drive yeah, away. You got a car. Call the police <laughs> from the gas station, and and because they're gonna get him. Yeah. You know. And right. and describe him too, because I mean, like, she, I I don't think in the moment she knows it's Ed Rooney. She just thinks it's some yeah, it's just gross some guy. weird creepy guy. Yeah, exactly. Covered in mud and yes. dog attack blood. Right, exactly. <laughs> there's a there's a man in a in a in a powder blue suit in my house, and it, it, it matches. The, <laughs> he looks the, a mess. Exactly, and and his suit matches his car. Like you just <laughs> no, it's the, yeah, it's the same, it's the same color color. Just a gross. Oh man, yeah. I, I've never seen a Plymouth suit before, but there it is. <laughs> Yeah, dude. So she calls the cops, right? Yeah. And they don't believe her because they're fucking... <laughs> come on, cops. Yeah, come on, I know. man. I know. Yeah. Okay, a woman calls and says there's an intruder in the house, and you don't believe her for some reason. And they realize it's Ferris Bueller's sister, and they say, oh, we hope your brother's feeling okay. Yes. Yes. But and... screw you. <laughs> Just send a cop for Ferris's sake. I Come know. on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They'd send the whole squad. Yes. 
and and she has this great like speech of she gives over the intercom too to like yes. tell Rooney that she's she's got her father's gun and a scorching mm-hmm. case of herpes. <laughs> yes, <laughs> whoever's in the kitchen, if you're still here, I just want you to know I have my father's gun and a scorching case of herpes. That is that is quite a loaded. Th- I mean, it wow. Is. Yeah, and then Rooney's like, I got to get out of here. Yes, yeah. yes, um, and this car gets towed also. <laughs> And rightly so. Yeah. He, he was, you know, parked in front of a fire hydrant in the suburbs, and then it's a strange car. No one recognizes it. I mean, obviously. Yeah, get it rid looks of this like thing. a suit, you it, know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's Who's like driving a, this suit looks car? Like a cheap suit. Get it out of here. <laughs> that car. That cheap suit. Oh, my God. Get that Reliant out of here, man. Well, not in this neighborhood. <laughs> exactly. Yes. This is Highland Park. <laughs> Dude. And then I guess we cut back to Ferris and them and they can't find Ferris. He's ditched them, apparently. Okay, they were in that cab and they had the whole thing where they're like where yeah. they you you mentioned it earlier. That was where where Yeah, like, he said he's not having fun. Exactly. And then they see Ferris's dad in the cab next to it. Yes. And they they make Sloan pretend like she's some businesswoman, I guess. <laughs> How does Ferris's dad not know that's his girlfriend? Well, we, I'm sure he's met her many times. I'm sure he has. But we established earlier that when you put on sunglasses, you just <laughs> that's disappear. True, so, that's true. That's true. Especially around this guy. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> this guy is just not too swift. Um, and, and she starts like flirting with him a little yeah, bit. Yeah. It's, it's so yeah, funny. Actually. Pretty funny. She like smooches at him <laughs> yeah, and stuff. Right. Says, gives like that little high with it's, her mouth. I open. mean, that that's yeah. a weird move, Sloan. Yeah. You know, what are you doing? Yeah. You're going to get busted. Exactly. Right. <laughs> We gotta live dangerously, dude. I, I guess so. Right. Um, but yeah, this is when Ferris yeah. is on. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, he has the power to electrify a city, and it's yes. just effortless for him. Um, he is on the float, lip syncing to Wayne Newton's Dankeschön. Yep. Uh, and he's surrounded by women in dirndls because yep. uh, it's the German <laughs> Pride Parade, uh, and like he's like he's styled his hair differently it's yeah. like it's in a pompadour yeah. now like rick astley and it i mean it's really pretty it looks good it looks good yeah and he sounds good like you said it's lip syncing yeah exactly he's doing right. a he's giving a great performance sure right and uh alan ruck and mia sarah are like talking while he's doing this like i can't believe he's up there like man and Cameron, he says, man, Ferris can do every, anything, like anything he wants. Mm-hmm. Like, not me. I never could do that, you know? Yeah. Like, he's just something special. Um, On this viewing, I started to feel that Cameron is putting the moves on Sloan. You think so? Yeah. Uh, when they walk off together, well, in the thing that you just mentioned. Okay. Because right? um, when when the Donka Shane uh, performance hasn't ended yet, and Cameron and Sloan are walking together, holding hands. Yeah. And the way he smiles and his self-deprecation, it's all like leading somewhere to me, you know, especially when she asks him what he's interested in and he goes, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> and he's very charming. He is. You know, I, I, look, I'm not saying he's trying to steal Sloan away, but, but yeah. I, I just feel like he is like doing something. He here. probably is because he, Ferris mentions it like. He doesn't, he doesn't have girlfriends and right. stuff, you know, and right. like Sloan is being really sweet to him, yeah. you know, and I don't think from Sloan's side, she's has any interest in it. She's just being a good friend to him, you know, right. holding his hand, walking with him and stuff. But, right. and Ferris would probably be okay with her doing that even when they're all together, I bet. Well, that's like, true. I yeah. think he'd be okay with that. Right. But and like, yeah, but yeah, I feel like because he doesn't get that kind of attention from from a girl ever, right. like he's, he's probably got something in him maybe going a little 
down a path he shouldn't go. <laughs> yes, you know? Right. Right. Especially if it's Mia Sarah in nineteen eighty six. Dude, I mean, I mean yeah. yes, of course. Uh I mean and, and you're right about her. Like I, I do think that like you said, she is not um maybe reciprocating, but yeah. you know, she's just having a nice conversation with somebody. Right. But I think that it, in his mind, you know, if let's see where this goes, you know. Yeah, and I feel like They've probably hung out a ton, but they're not really, like, friend friends, you know? Yeah. They can be friendly and hang out, but, like, it feels like this moment they're actually building a relationship, kind of. Yes. Like, they're actually having meaningful talk with each other and, like, actually building something. Yeah, I guess, like, because, I mean, they they wouldn't hang out independent of each other, like, I mean, just with each other unless Ferris was there. Right. So, yeah, this is the 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 first time they kind of had a a moment alone together. Yeah. It's it's kind of sweet. Yeah. Um, And then the song ends and Twist and Shout by the Beatles starts playing. Mm Mm-hmm. And Ferris is like, all right, it's on now. And he (laughs) does this whole number. Yeah. He, like you said, he electrifies a city. (laughs) The entire city of Chicago is dancing and singing Twisting and shouting I mean, dude, to even, this song. I mean, even the people who aren't at the parade are his like... His dad is in his office I mean, on the 44th down, floor. Exactly. <laughs> he starts doing the twist. <laughs> dude. Yeah, it's amazing. And, and you know, like, there's one moment during the montage, because we're, like, seeing, like, various parts of the city, what's going on, and there's, like, a, a synchronized dance team that, <laughs> <Yes>. like, emerges. And <laughs> we're dancing on the steps. <laughs> you know? even in the 80s this felt very 80s you know what i'm <laughs> right, saying yeah, like like yeah, i'm just like yeah. watching i remember like being a kid going well that wouldn't happen in real life right you know? and they look 80s i know it's very <laughs> it, it's so just like in a place in, everyone in a, looks so 80s i know in this, ev- because it is the whole everybody in the crowd all the onlookers when they at the end went like you know ah uh, uh, and yeah they, and yeah i have never seen <laughs> a, a a more 80s this bunch of people. Mid 80s exactly. Chicago. Dude, I mean, jeez, man. Yeah. <laughs> no, and I think we're we're kind of joking about it, yeah. but I think that gives you some. It, it gives John Hughes a lot of real credit of yeah. making a truly contemporary film at that time. I know. You know, like like if you went and watched stuff, like if you watched American Pie or something nowadays, you'd be like, God, it's the year 2000. I know, right? Like, there's something to that. Yeah. Um, and John Hughes really captures that in all his movies. I know. And, like, I, it's, it's one of the reasons I respond so well, of course, to, like, 1970s cinema. Because it's, like, it yeah. looks like the 70s to me. And, like, you know, wh- whenever you have something that is in a place and time and really captures that moment, I mean, like, the, the reason you return to it so much is because you have memories of it. And because we were alive in 1986, we have a nostalgia. <laughs> right, you know? yeah. Yep. There it is. That's how it's made, baby. Right. Yep. <laughs> um, so he, he just like the whole city's riled up and they throw him like a scepter at the <laughs> end of this. And he's like, yeah. he's holding it in the air. Like he is the king of the parade. Something. King of Chicago. King of Chicago. I, yeah. And he's holding the microphone out to the crowd. Uh-huh. Like, come on, everybody cheer. Exactly. It, it is. He's, nat- he's a natural. It is. It's his coronation. <laughs> You're right. They handed him a scepter. Right. I mean, I, wow. The mayor is even twisting Dude, in the movie. Dude, exactly. Like, like they, there's a board of judges, and they, they're kind of like, at first when he's singing Donkashin, they're kind of elbowing each other like, hey, what's this? Yeah. And then by by twi- end of Twist and Shout, they're totally down for it. <laughs> yep. Yep. Get this guy on a committee. Exactly. Like, we need to be in the Ferris Bueller business. <laughs> right. You know? What's your name, kid? <laughs> Man, but so like now this is kind of the end of their adventure downtown, right? Right. right. Um, 
So they're driving home, and Cameron is told how many miles are on the car now, and he kind of <laughs> flips out. Right. He freaks out because, I mean, what did he expect was going to happen? Like, they drive half a mile on it or something? Well, that's what I couldn't understand like, it, because, like, I... They drove, like, 100 miles. I know. Something right, like that. Right. It, it's... Um, Which is more than they should have. Yeah. Because the guys took it for a joyride, yes. right? For six hours. For six hours. I mean, geez. But, um, yeah, it makes no sense. Why would he react this... Wouldn't he react this way whether it was one mile or a hundred miles? Absolutely. Right? Yes. His whole, like, uh, kind of going nuts like this. I mean, yeah, it's... it's he could have just looked at the gas gauge when they first got in the car and seen that, oh, wait, we're, just, we're down to half a tank? What's going on, you know? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's it's a little inappropriate. <sighs> um, but, you know, it's because this is Ferris Bueller's day off and we have, like, just limitless time, apparently, <laughs> um, we, we go from this, this day to, has like, more than 24 hours. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they cross the international date line at Lake Michigan, apparently, <laughs> yes. and they just come, pull over to the side of the road and Sloan is, like, trying to nurse uh, Cameron back to health mm-hmm. um, while he, like, stares up at the sky and Ferris breaks the fourth wall again and, and says some stuff about, like, what's going to happen and, you know. Yeah. They're going to go to college. Uh, yes. Sloan is going to be in high school still another year. Right. I wasn't lying when I said I'd marry her. Right. Uh, me and Cameron will probably go our separate ways because that's just how life happens. Yeah. Um, and it, there's a lot of truth in it. Yeah, of course. I mean, like, think about, like, people who were, like, your best friends in high school. Yeah. Like, they were, like, you were just seeing each other every day. And yeah. you you talk, talking on the phone and, like, just hanging out all the time. And now they're gone. Yeah. You know, it, it's... It's amazing how life goes. Yep. You know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, they, it's, it's now time to, uh, you know, they, they ride home in rush hour. Uh, and, but they make it home in time to sit in a hot tub and eat Oreos, <laughs> uh, <laughs> while they decide to want to roll back the odometer. Oh my God. Is that at Sloan's house or is that at Cameron's house? I think it's, it's, it's gotta, gotta be, be Cameron's. It's gotta right? be Cameron's house. Yeah. I mean, because, I mean, that's that's a third location that they went to, like, yeah. to stop off like that. I mean, this has to be at Cameron's. It has to be Cameron's. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they're there. He falls in the pool. He's been catatonic this whole time, right? Yes. And he, he falls off the diving board, and Ferris is like, oh, my God, he fell in the pool. And he's, like, looking at him from the surface, and you see him sunk to the bottom. Uh-huh. Like, oh, my God, I got to help him. <laughs> and you get a, a shot from under the surface down where Cameron is, and Cameron... Opens his eyes and like looks back up to see if Ferris is gonna save him or not, <laughs> which is pretty funny. Um, and he does. He yeah. dives in and saves him, and then he gets him to the side of the pool and is trying to wake him up. And Cameron <laughs> opens his eyes and says, "Ferris Bueller, you're my hero." <laughs> and he's teasing him. Yeah, he's like, "Man, yeah. that, that was really good, man. You really saved me." Like, <laughs> And they have a, a, a pool fight, you know, which is funny. But You know, if it were anybody else, like, besides Cameron slash Alan Ruck pulling this stunt, yeah. I'd be really pissed off. Yeah. You know, but because I'm just so in the tank for Cameron, yeah. um, I'm I'm totally okay with it. And and Ferris kind of deserves it a little oh, yeah, bit. Oh, yeah, yeah. He deserves to get uh, worried a bit. Exactly. You know, I mean, he, he's, he's just, like, had nothing go wrong for him all day long. Even in, in the times where he was, like, in a scrape, he just, like, thought his way out of it. There's um, no stakes for, for Ferris no. in this at all. Right. Like, he's going to avoid Rooney, he's, his sister. He's going to avoid the parents. We know it. Yep. Like, even if he got caught, what's going to happen? Right. Nothing. Because yeah. he's a golden child, right? <laughs> yes. 
But everything's on Cameron's shoulders. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and I... By this time, Jeannie has been picked up by the cops. For a prank phone call. What a Come joke. Come on. What a joke. Chicago PD. I mean, it's just... You better be better than this. I know. I know. Uh, it, and... She's sitting in the police station, and we get a cameo from Charlie Sheen. Yeah. Uh, and he drugs. is just... Drugs? <laughs> <laughs> no, thanks. I'm straight. <laughs> um, one of these is Jeannie's funniest moment. Yeah. Um, it's... I mean, a few weeks ago, I was really out of sorts with society when we did that episode for their use of the word butt. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought it was kind of lightweight and bullshit, you know? Yeah. However, no offense meant to Billy Warlock, uh, you know, <laughs> but Jennifer Grey is just a better performer than he is. Um, so when she tells Charlie Sheen, why don't you put your thumb up your butt? I totally marked out. You know, it's I, great. It's just a great reading, and and she's so funny. And and his reaction is perfect too. It also, he puts his thumb up and kind of looks at it, <laughs> like he's contemplating exactly. it. And she early told him to blow yourself. Yeah. And he looked down at his crotch. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, to be fair, society is a very hard R rating. Agreed. Yes. This is a PG-13 film. Of course. So uh, it can fly a little better in this, I think. Yes. And and I, I found it believable that, that she, as an insult, like would, would say, why don't you put your thumb up your butt? You yeah. Know, it, it just, it works. <laughs> it is. You yeah. know? Yeah. I liked it a lot. Right. Um, and first, I guess her mom has to pick her up because she's a minor, right? Yes. I get. So her mom <laughs> comes, she loses the Vermont deal uh-huh. that she's been talking about this whole time because she's a real estate agent. Yeah. And... Uh, Picks her up, and at the end of the scene, she's making out with Charlie Sheen, which is funny because of this confrontation they've been having, uh-huh. and then we don't see him for a while, and then it cuts to them making out, you know? Right. Um, and then they leave to go home, and Ferris has to leave to go home, but not before we get the famous car scene. Yes. Um, they've propped Cameron's dad's car up to run it in reverse because they're so freaking idiots thinking that's going to take the I miles mean, off the, the odometer dumbest plan. The, the miles aren't coming off so there's an obvious sign that they took the car yeah. and drove it and ferris suggests we have to crack open the odometer and roll it back manually and cameron says no we're not going to do it i'm just going to take the heat you know i'll have, i have to face my old man mm-hmm. you know and he has this breakdown actually where he's he starts to kind of get really emotional and as he's saying things more and more he gets more riled up and uh he's like he pushes me around my old man pushes me around i never say anything and when he screams that like he's not even in the shot really it's his body kind of filling the frame and he's smashing his hand against his chest as he yells that yeah and it's so powerful like you really feel this kid has the worst relationship with his dad it's such a dramatic scene and, and like, you know, and we always talk about like tonal shifts and how, how weird that is. But like, this is appropriate because I yes. mean, like the, the scene leading up to it was even like Cameron kind of confessing, you know, what he was thinking about when he was in his state. Yeah. You know? um, so like they've kind of laid the groundwork for, for what happens here. And yeah. like Alan Ruck is just phenomenal here too. Yeah. Um, he's already been funny throughout the movie, and now he's showing his chops as a dramatic actor, and he's really good. Yeah, definitely is, and and he's he's even crying a little yep. in the scene, and he's he starts to kick the Ferrari in in the grill, 
which is like to the audience that is the ultimate defiance because we we know what what is at stake here right yeah. mm-hmm. even a slight little scratch even earlier in the film he said a pigeon could shit on it you know <laughs> yes. that would be the end of the world for him uh-huh right and he's he's punting this grill with his own foot it kicks one of the one of the lights oh, out yeah, too busts I mean, the glass yeah and and so it's like just you're looking at it going okay well this is irreparable harm to this car. I mean, he dents yep. the bumper. There, there's no way they can't fix any of this. Can't hide it at right. all. And because it's been propped up to go in reverse, it's still going in reverse. And every kick, they show like this little like stand it's up on, like bending just a little farther and farther. Right. And he's about to go for one last kick and he doesn't do it. And then he's like, wow, I really kicked the shit out of it. And, <laughs> you know, kind of realizing what he's done. And he's like, good. Okay. You know, he'll come home. I'll have to deal with it. It'll be fine. Right. It'll be fine. And uh, he says, I can't wait to see the look on the old man's face. And he puts his foot on the hood of the car. And then it tips over in full throttle reverse, flies out the glass window into the ravine behind the garage. It must go a good 50 feet. He's in such trouble. The car is dead now. Right. Ferris actually says, you killed the car. And you know, they kind of disregard, you also killed the showroom. (laughs) Yes, you destroyed the building. Exactly. (laughs) You know, all of this, this is millions of dollars of damage. And I I don't know this dad is ever going to get over it. I mean, you know. No. And probably not. Right. With with how he is, how we've heard he is. Yeah. He would not ever get over this. He'll easily replace all this. Sure. At the drop of a hat. Right. Because they're filthy, rich, and privileged. Yes, exactly. But um, he'll never love his son and never speak to him again. Probably so, uh, because the, if, if you care that much about possessions and um, you care that little about people, um, including your own family, then yeah, th- th- this is the kind of thing that would estrange you from your family. Yeah, and I feel like Cameron is okay with this, actually, now. He's right. kind of accepted his fate. And even before it flew out the building, he was okay with having finally a confrontation with his dad about things. Yes. It's probably worse now. (laughs) I guarantee it's worse now. Yeah. uh, Yeah. But this is what I alluded to earlier where he said, Ferris, I could have stopped you. You know, if I didn't want this to happen, like I could have, I would have stopped you. Yeah. It is possible to stop Mr. Ferris Bueller. That's what he says. Yes. And then Matthew Broderick gets this like little smile on his face when he, when Cameron's saying that to yeah. him, like, wow, I've seen my friend actually stand up for himself and grow. Right. And take a stand. <sighs> like, I've, this, I've been wanting him to do this for the last 10 years of our lives. Yes. And even after they leave, you know, when, when Sloan's like, well, do you think Cameron's going to be okay? And he says, yeah, for the first time in his life. Yep. You know? I mean, like, I'm, I alluded to him being in, like, just absolute, you know, nuclear trouble, which he is. Yeah. But, like... I can see how like he's a new man too, you know, um, yeah. he's going to come home and like, and yeah, I, I guess the only thing to do when dad gets home is just come out and say, dad, we need to talk and just bring him out there and show him. Yeah. Here's what I did. Here's what happened. Yeah. You know, now we have to deal with this. Yeah. And you I know? can see him handling it that way. Right. Like just it's matter of fact, I'm, right. I'm speaking from the heart now. Right. Um, it sucks, <laughs> but <laughs> it's good he has this growth. Exactly. And yes. I mean, this is what I'm saying. Like, he's the heart of the movie. Yeah. Like, yeah. 
we could care less what happens to Ferris Bueller. Because we know he's going to get away with everything. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no way this movie's going to end with him being, like, nabbed by Rooney, <laughs> you know? And oh, to... what a twist, dude. <laughs> yeah. He's throwing in a box. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, now Ferris has to 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 beat it home. Oh yeah, and the, you know? the final effort to get home exactly. in time. So he he's Ow. racing <laughs> through the subdivision on feet. <laughs> he's just running home, uh-huh. um, and he's running through yards. He's running through people's houses. He's he's jumping off trampolines. It's it's funny. It he's is turning funny. corners and it's going. Oh yeah, like, exactly. He's skidding out, and there's sound effects. Like, I mean, yeah, he's throwing on the brakes like a cartoon. Yeah, it's a roadrunner, right? Um, but like, it, there's some good jokes in there too while he's doing this. Oh like, yeah, he he runs through the house and he's like, "Hey, dinner's ready" and stuff like that. And then he he runs by these two babes out <laughs> out sunbathing, and then he stops and walks back into the frame. He's like, "Hey, Ferris Bueller, how you doing?" <laughs> Which is pretty funny. <laughs> After he just told Sloan, I'm going to marry you. Yeah, right. You, you yeah, know? dude. Okay. Good. Yeah. Um, and he, <laughs> and I, when he runs through the, the those people's house, it's like the, the one bit of like real trespassing he does yeah. where he runs through someone's house. The one guy, he's sitting there reading the paper and he's like, hey. He was, no, don't get up. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Smells delicious. Uh, runs to the kitchen. And like, eventually he comes out into one of the, the, the reason he had to do all this is because like, he was running across the street and he almost gets hit by a car. Yeah. And it's Jeannie uh, driving home from the police station. Like, I guess uh, Mrs. Bueller decided to let her drive. Yeah. And um, they, the mom doesn't see Ferris, but Jeannie does. And they exchange a look and the game is on. Uh, yes. You know, she's going to try to beat him home. And like, she starts flying down the road, like, like driving 60 miles an hour in these like subdivisions. And her mom is screaming at her. And this is my other funniest genie moment is when <laughs> she's just like, Jennifer Grey goes, I can't drive with you yelling at me. Stop it. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Pretty good. You know, <laughs> she's so good in this. <laughs> um, yeah. And they're racing home and Ferris does a, a, a leap of faith off a trampoline. Dude. He gets a boosted bounce from this six-year-old girl. I know. Like, and he goes over the fence, lands in the yard. It's just I mean, in time. Y- if you can stick that landing, which I mean, like you lose, you, you lose control when you take the double bounce. You know what I mean? Yes, like you, you get that super bounce. It's hard to control what you're doing. I know. Cause like I've, I've almost <laughs> flown off the trampoline a million times, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and like, yep. it's an amazing, like kind of feeling where you're like, Oh God, Oh God, Oh God. You know? <laughs> yeah. Even when you're just going to land back on the trampoline, exactly. it's kind of an Oh God moment. It is. He's going full off. Like he's going from the top turnbuckle. I know. Outside the ring. Absolutely. Man. Exactly. This is a full, like yeah, corkscrew plancha into somebody else's <laughs> yard. You know, <laughs> so he gets there and he's going to get the key from under the doormat and it's not there. And Ed Rooney steps in <laughs> with his chewed up leg <laughs> and has the key looking for this. <laughs> <laughs> and meanwhile, Jeannie gets home with the mom. Jeannie runs inside and dad pulls in right right then, too. Yeah. And Jeannie comes in. And she hears Ed Rooney at the back talking to Ferris about how he's going to ruin his life and he caught him, you know. And Jeannie opens the door and completely changes her tune. Right. And says, oh, thanks, Mr. Rooney, for driving him home. Can you imagine someone as sick as Ferris walking home from the hospital? She bailed him out. Right. Right. When seconds ago... 
She was on his ass. <laughs> she was risking life and limb to get home to prove what an asshole he is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's weird because like <laughs> I we we were led to believe that she had a change of heart because of her tryst with Charlie Sheen. Right. You know, but that but that passed because they had the encounter on the street. Yeah. And they, they locked eyes and they were like, okay, you know, I'm going to beat you now. And the only reason that she didn't beat him home fully is because she got pulled over for speeding. Right. Um, and yeah, she's in the kitchen and loving what's going on when she can hear Rooney telling him off. Um, and now she knows Rooney was the one in the house. Yeah. I guess because she found his wallet. Yeah. Okay. And I think that that is really, really the catalyst for her like bailing Ferris out because even though she hates Ferris a lot, she, he's still her brother. Yeah. And Rooney is just a, a creep. A fucking creep exactly. who was in her yes. house. Yes. So who do I bail out? My brother or the sex pervert? It's definitely, <laughs> there's, you know, there's no choice at all. Right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's it. It is quite strange, though, mm-hmm. coming from the racing straight to the, you're okay, right. we're changing tune right now. Right. Um, but yeah, you're right. The wallet and all that, that makes sense. Yes. So Ferris gets inside before his parents can walk in the door, rushes upstairs, gets in bed, knocks the mannequin on the floor, and he lays there, and he's about, he's pretending to be asleep, and he hears his radio is still playing the fake snoring. <laughs> so what does he do? He pulls his... Wrigley Field ball out, <laughs> throws it at the stereo, hits the power button, turns off, the ball bounces across the floor and lands in his glove. <laughs> because it's Ferris Bueller, everybody. Because everything's coming up Ferris. <laughs> I mean, that, that's just how his life is, dude. You know? Yep. It's, wow. He rules. Yes, yes. And the parents walk in, and I begin to vomit again. <laughs> Because of the little baby talk he starts doing and how they are doting on him. It's just, I mean, I can barely put up with him at the end of this when he does this baby talking routine. And I mean that as a compliment because like as much as I'm cringing, like I also find it hilarious because Matthew Broderick is just like, he's so committed to it. Oh my God. And his response to the offer of when his mom's like, you know, I'll make you some soup. And he goes, I'm just shuddering, you know? Oh, my God. Uh, and then when she tucks him in a little bit, he just goes, ooh, blanky. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about blanky, but yeah, that line always got me. And he doesn't even, like, enunciate very well. He's like, blank. Yeah, I know. Exactly. Yeah. That's, yeah. I know. That, that's what makes it even worse. He does it like he's, like he's like 18 he's months old. Five. Yes. Yeah. It's disgusting. It's like, I mean, because when you see a little, uh, uh, someone who is not a baby talking like that, you, you respond to it like you do the uncanny valley, essentially. You know? <laughs> it's so unnatural. Exactly. <laughs> so they leave the room again and the tender music stops playing and my lunch goes back into my stomach. <laughs> And he looks at the camera and he says, I said it, I guess I said it before, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you can miss it. Mm -hmm. And then it freeze frame. Yep. Yeah. Cut to yellow and it's now the end credits and there's now a stinger here. Yeah. The stinger during the whole credits actually though. It's not, I got to wait through the credits. That's true. It's not even, you're right. So I do appreciate that. Yes, exactly. Because the movie, like it it doesn't like violate Roger Ebert's law of like (laughs) the movie is over when the credits happen. Yeah. Like it it fades and then the credits start on one half of the screen and the stinger starts on the other half. Yes. Like immediately. Right. Yeah. So it's Rooney walking back to the school, I guess. 
um, <laughs> down the sidewalk, and the school bus driver pulls over and is like, hey, Mr. Rooney, what happened? You getting a fight or something? <laughs> and this guy looks awful now. He's been attacked by a dog 50 times. Uh-huh. He's bleeding. You know, he can't even walk. Right. And she's like, I can give you a ride. Get on the bus. And he actually gets on the bus. After waiting for like 15 Root. seconds. It's actually know. pretty funny because yeah. he looks back at the bus, kind of thinking about it. Right. But I think also realizing how horrible of an idea this is. Right. Yeah, that's right. And he still gets on the bus. Still goes through with it. <laughs> right. And he has to walk to the back of the bus where there's an open seat past all these students who hate his guts. Right. All the sportos and sluts and yep. weirdos. Yep. Yeah. Dweebies, dickheads, they're all there. <laughs> And he sits next to this, like, it looks like a little girl, actually. I know. But she's just a girl with Coke bottle glasses, this you know. little millhouse kid, yeah. I know, right? And the first thing she says to him <laughs> is, I bet you never smelled a real school bus before. <laughs> Which is so funny that that is what she chose to say. <laughs> Why would you say that to someone? You know, it's like, she's just this, like... It's almost like she feels empowered in some way to like <laughs> sass Ed Rooney and because she's surrounded, like she saw the state of him coming on yeah. the bus yeah. and like she knows that she's surrounded by all her peers and that he's in some kind of situation where he's riding the bus out of desperation. Yeah. So it's like, I'm going to fuck with this guy a little bit. <laughs> you think she's fucking with them? I, on so this, this is view- her only chance to fuck with anyone. Exactly. On this viewing, that's how I, that's how I read it. it she probably like, gets teased by everyone on this bus. Exactly. Because like this kid is like, she's, <laughs> yeah. You mentioned the Coke bottle glass. You, you can't, I mean like, oh, yeah. her eyes are like gigantic behind them. There's a and- reason no one is sitting next to exactly. her, right? She's just kind of a weird yeah. kid, you yeah. know? Um, and it was 1986, and and those people were like not in the parade yet. No, you know? no, no. And and then she offers them a gummy bear mm-hmm. that have been in her pocket, so they're nice and warm, so and soft and warm. You referenced uh, this this kid on a previous episode. <laughs> yes, um, I did. <laughs> and that's the whole reason I put it on the schedule because we were like talking about this <laughs> this this little weirdo on the bus <laughs> for like a good two minutes, and I was like, okay, yeah, we got to do an episode on Ferris Bueller. Yep. yep. <laughs> <laughs> and then you see Ed Rooney look at a binder someone has and it says save Ferris on it. Yeah. Like throughout the whole movie, we didn't even touch on it, but like everyone oh, yeah, yeah. is collecting money to save him. Right. Everyone's talking to everyone about how we got to save this kid and how amazing he is. So Rooney's sick of it and he sees this. And then finally he gets the chance to break the fourth wall and he spikes the camera. Yep. Yep. Um, and he, before he saw the save Ferris on the binder, he looked up at one of the like carvings on the, on the bus yeah, wall. All that the said, doodles. It said, Rooney eats it. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Like, you know, <laughs> and he, someone took he, the time to do that. When he gets that gummy bear, he just flicks oh, it man. as hard as he can, yeah. like across the bus. I know it's, it's like, yeah, it's one of those, uh, you, you ever play like the, the, the football with a little triangle. Yeah. It's like when someone had like just a really amazing flicking power. Oh yeah. Like, it's like, he's, yeah, yeah it, he's got that. It goes across the room. Right. It's like, wow, dude. Yeah. <laughs> and the bus pulls away. Right. Like, that's the end of the movie. Well, except for this other stinger we get. Yes. Immediately after. Yes. Uh, yeah, it, it's probably the most famous one. Yeah, he just walk. Uh, Ferris yeah. walks out of the kitchen, says, you know. It's the bathroom, I think. Is it the bathroom? Yeah, because it doesn't have a towel on his head. No, he doesn't have a towel. He's just wearing Oh, his he's bathroom. in a robe. Yeah. He's in his he robe. He wore the towel earlier. That was early. Was like, you know, yeah. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I just, you know, it, what, are you, what are you doing here? It's over. <laughs> Go home. Right. <laughs> Go. 
Which I think is awesome. No, it's a good. I freaking love it. it. It's a really good stinger. Yeah, and it doesn't outstay its welcome. No, it, it's know, over. The movie's in 10 over, seconds. and he yes. says it's over. Leave. Right. Go. Yes. <laughs> it's pretty cool. He has to have the ultimate power in life. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, this kid's dangerous. You he know, is. he's like. I mean, there, there's something. He was probably dismembering a body in that other room. Honestly, That's why he wants us to leave. Options. Honestly, I didn't think it was more like that he was jigsaw. Like he's actually that <laughs> da- uh, that kind of dangerous. I mean that he's like dangerous, um, like geopolitically. Yes, like, definitely. Like he's going to like like serve on the Supreme Court and make some horrible decisions. Right. That yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, I think. Kevin McAllister was reserved for Jigsaw. Yes, like he grows right. up to be Jigsaw. Yes, okay. that, that kid's that kid's got like those kinds of problems. Yeah, John Hughes loves these kind of characters, man. I'm telling you, right? <laughs> oh man, dude. So this was a, a nice long one, Dave. Yeah. Did, anything else we want to touch on? Um, I, I there there was one cool bit of editing that I found out about where um they the when when they're in the pizza joint and they see the game on TV, um. Like you see, uh, there's a guy from the Braves on uh, first base, mm-hmm. and um, he's like uh, trying to make a move towards second. And then when they when they cut to Ferris um, on TV, you see him. And then they cut to the ballpark, and like there's a there's a real quick cut where you see like those same powder blue uniforms, but apparently it's a different game. Like okay. the, the game that they they showed originally on TV <laughs> was a game the Cubs played against the Braves, and then the one that he was at was against the Expos. But because the Braves and Expos both wore powder blue uniforms at the time, it was pretty seamless with the editing. Okay. So no one noticed that it was different games. You did though. I did exactly. Yes. Dave knows these things. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um. So would you recommend? the movie absolutely yeah see ferris uh, ladies and gentlemen ferris bueller's day off it's 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 in the national library of congress you know it's in the library of congress as yes. culturally significant so yeah there's yeah. a reason it's there it's see an it. all-time great comedy film and just a teenage film yes comedy in general um 80s movie yeah i, I probably my favorite john hughes film from the 80s it okay. might be my favorite john hughes film in general actually i was trying to think of like what my favorite is this one's way up there but like i think the one i've seen the most is the breakfast club yeah um and yeah. and i think that like uh uh planes trains and automobiles is probably the most mature they're all good yeah yeah, yeah like a lot of his movies are teen stuff he right. does have a few with adults and then i think he started just writing a lot of like kid movies in oh, the yeah. 90s mm-hmm. you know right like he, that's the where his career went right um but it's awesome, man. Yes. I, you got to watch this movie. He is like his, he made studio films that were very personal to him. And that's, that's really cool. That's awesome, man. Yep. So that wraps things up. If you like what you heard, please subscribe anywhere you get your show or anywhere you get the podcast, <laughs> rate it, review it. <laughs> Most of all, share it. Gets more dudes listening to the dudes and you go to dudesonmovies.com and find anything you need right there. Yes. And our fate, uh, sorry. And we are also <laughs> on Facebook, blue sky and Instagram. We're screwing up all over the place. Uh, just look for dudes on movies and our email address is dudesonmovies at gmail.com. Yeah. I kind of like it. Maybe we shouldn't cut it. It's exactly. kind of cool. Yeah. I, th- I think we we'll keep this. We're in. spiking the camera. Sure. Spike the mic. Right. Um, and dudes on demand is back. Don't forget everybody. Right. Go to dudesonmovies.com slash demand or on social. Hit us up. Let us know what movie you want us to do in January and let us know why. Right. Exactly. And Dave, what's the question of the week this week? Uh, The question of the week is what are your favorite examples of breaking the fourth wall in movies? There you go, dude. Mm -hmm. And stay tuned next week when we do 1958's The Hidden Fortress, directed by Akira Kurosawa and starring Toshiro Mifune. So until next week, I'm your dude, Scott. I'm your dude, Dave. And we'll see you next time. 